Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Barry Fowler, founder and chairman at the Fowler International Academy of Professional Coaching, plus founder and former chairman of the world-famous Sylvan Learning Centers that have helped over 4 million students achieve their full potential. Founded in 2008, Fowler International offers qualified, motivated individuals a chance to earns their certified professional coaching credentials through one of the largest professional coach training and certification organizations in the world. FIA helps students acquire the tools, techniques, and knowledge of a proprietary results-driven coaching system that has been used to help over 10,000 individuals around the world to launch, grow, and operate their own coaching practices. I've asked Barry to join us here today because I believe we, the entrepreneurs, the small business owners, the marketers, and business professionals, we pay the middle class their salaries. We grow the small and medium-sized businesses. We are the middle class. Without us, it's haves and have-nots. We create the systems and businesses which help lift ourselves and our communities out of poverty. We are the ones who will decide the future. We are the movers and shakers. It is on our shoulders to innovate, to market, to sell, to advocate, to lead, to design the life we want for ourselves and our children. There is no virtue in being broke. You can't help anyone if you can't help yourself. So I've asked Barry to join us here today to talk about his journey, helping thousands of people make this world a better place. So Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Oh, Daryl, I'm excellent. I'm honored that you invited me to be on your podcast. Yeah, it's taken, I goofed up the scheduling and it's definitely taken an effort. Hats off to you for really being forgiving and generous and helping get this done. Now, before we talk, get into you helping thousands and even millions of people, how did you even get involved? in coaching others and business itself. Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were your parents business owners? I do. It's my grandfather. My grandfather was a consummate entrepreneur. He ended up owning his own oil company and then some real estate buildings in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He had so many interesting adventures as an entrepreneur Starting at, I think when he was 18 and he was at William and Mary College, World Fair was happening in New York, and he finagled his way into the World's Fair mm. and sold ice water. Okay. And the guy that gave him the ice water con- concession felt that my grandfather was a little off his rocker, that nobody would pay a penny for water. pay for water. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you imagine? He had ice water. And so he had ice delivered and he sold ice water. It gave him enough money to be fairly wealthy during college. And it yeah. started yeah. his entrepreneurial. But it was his model for me of being such an entrepreneur that it was very natural for me to to want to have my own business. And then I actually started my first business when I was 19. What was your first business? 
Um, I, I did portraits and caricatures. I'd learned how to, I've, art's been always a part of my life, and it still is. I've always said I'm blessed with two talents. One, I can draw and paint fairly well. You know, people mm. are impressed when they see my artwork. And two, I can get really smart people sucked into my businesses. So I had learned how to do portraits in high school, and I moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma to California. And I ended up um, getting an art concession. My first one was in Southern California, Marineland. I had learned to do caricatures as well. And so I was in college trying to finish college or get through college. And I would hire and train other art students from my school and really? teach them my method of doing portraits and caricatures. And so I was ever able to leverage myself to where I became a manager of these artists. Even though it took me seven years to get through college, I was fairly well healed as yeah. a college student because I was making so much money in the summer. That's fantastic. That almost yeah. isn't there. Forgive me because I haven't read it. I've only been told, but isn't that the Tom Sawyer story? He gets hired to paint a fence and he gets his friends to paint the fence. And he, yeah, it does sound familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I love that. I love that. So that was your first business. So what did you do after that? I finished college finally. It took me seven years and five different colleges <laughs> because I was one of those kids that had fallen through the cracks and really didn't learn how to read very well. Mm -hmm. College was a very frustrating experience for me. And I was raised by a family that we just, you know, you graduate from high school, you go to college, and then you do whatever you want to do. And getting through college was a terrible thing for me because I couldn't read hardly. And it was on my fifth return to college where I noticed that they offered this speed reading class for incoming freshmen. And even mm -hmm. though I was more than a freshman and older, I thought maybe this will help me. I learned how to read faster. So I signed yeah. up for this class, Daryl. The woman that was teaching it had just received her master's. And it was a non-credit class. and But anyway, it's all about speed reading. But after working with, and the other kids in the class were like 18-year-olds, freshmen. And the instructor and I were the same age, and we got to be pals right off the bat. And after two class meetings, she pulled me aside at the end of the class, and she said, Barry, I don't think speed and I remember my heart saying, missed out on some really basic concepts. And rather than trying to increase your speed, let me do some testing and we can identify where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are. And then I could prescribe a course of action that'll make a difference. And I just, I said, God, that sounds, that makes sense to me. Absolutely. If you don't mind, I'd love to do that. And it was like somebody turned the light switch on for me. And all of a sudden, I went from a below C average to straight A's through my undergraduate and my graduate work. Wow. And it changed my life. It really yeah. did. Yeah. And I believe that. because of that, I decided I had to become a teacher. And I got my teaching credential and I taught in the Anaheim Union High School District 
about a junior high five minutes from Disneyland. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think, a, a great teachable moment that you weren't aware of gaps in your skills and by identifying and fixing them, it was a complete game changer for everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And the, the terrible thing is that this happens to hundreds of thousands of children yeah. every, all the time. They slip through the cracks. And, and it was when I was teaching in the junior high, in those days, about 25 to 30% of the kids in my class reminded me of me because they yeah. had missed out yeah and and so it was there was a huge market opportunity and so my entrepreneurial spirit kicked in again and yeah <laughs> yeah and that's how i decided to leave the public schools as a public school teacher we always look forward to the breaks you work right. really hard and Christmas break was coming up and every other previous Christmas I was sick I was surrounded by 180 kids every day that they share their germs the only time you really have time to get sick is right during vacation so it was <laughs> Christmas vacation my fifth year of teaching and I I had the worst cold and I was hanging out on my couch and my mother had given me a book for my 30th birthday and it was called 10 Young Millionaires and it was a story of Ross Perot and some of the other folks that had an idea and became millionaires before their 40th birthday. So here I am with my Kleenex, my over-the-counter medicine, feeling terrible. But I'm reading this little book about 10 people who had a better mousetrap and created a company and became millionaires, by, as I say, before their 40th birthday. So I started thinking, I, there's so many kids that need help. I know how to help them because I finally got the help when I was in college. I'm going to start a company and I'm going to focus on tutoring these kids and building their skills and their self-esteem. Mm. And mm. then I'm going to franchise it to other teachers because mm. the, the teachers get so burned out, not because they don't like kids, but the bureaucracy and the low pay. And so they're over the Christmas vacation. This whole idea of what became Sylvan Learning Centers came about. And the first day back after vacation, I walked into my principal's office and told him, I'm resigning at the semester. Yeah. And, I'm gonna, and then I told her, I said, I'm going to start this tutoring program. And once I prove it's successful, I'm going to franchise it all over the country. And he looked at me like I... What have you been smoking, pal? Yeah. But that's how. I love that. And there's such a need for it, too, because our current education system is actually built. So it's meant to produce factory workers. I forget the ethnicity now. It's escaped me. But our actual education system is built on a prior civilization. They felt they were losing their military might. So they tr they wanted to create a standardized training system to create soldiers and then train them, but also indoctrinate them to obey and be loyal to the crown. 
And that was the model that they followed when they needed factory workers. That's why the deaths are in rows. That's why you have the factory bell that tells you when your breaks are. You get your report card, just like you would like an employer staff, or if you were at a factory line, you did a hundred pieces, how many were good and bad. So the whole system is built off of that. It's not a bu built about helping create a, a full-fledged, just my, my daughter's in private school right now, because we're trying to, obviously we're, we have her in a reading school, a math school and all that as well, but we actually have her in a separate school that really focuses, she's four, turning five, Yeah. but it yeah. focuses on arts and collaboration. One of her classes is farm work. So they go to the farm, yeah. they feed the animals, yeah. they pick yeah. stuff, Very like, cool. like salt of the earth stuff. Cause yeah. I think exactly what you're talking about, what a breath of fresh air that must've been for those students, those 4 million students. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud. I'm like a proud Papa of Sylvan. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have, we've changed the lives of lots and lots of people. There's not a week go by where I, I'm talking to somebody and they say, Oh gosh, my kid was in Sylvan. And I hear that all the time, but more and more, Daryl, what I'm hearing is, I was in Sylvan when I was a kid. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what a good feeling that must be. Yeah, it, it, it's a wonderful feeling. And, so you know, what happened? Right. You left the school, you launched this, and it was all sunshine and rainbows? It, it was mostly sunshine. It was a lot of fun. It was like yeah. a you know, ride on a rocket. And guess what? I retired when I was 39. I sold Sylvan to my goal from the start was to franchise it, build it, make it worth money, sell it, and retire before my 40th birthday, just like those guys in that book that I read. And and I did. I was able to do that. And so I, I kicked around and became a bum for five years. And yep. we traveled and... Did all the things that you dream about doing when you could yeah. afford to do anything you wanted to. Right. And ended up living in Maui for for a, a while and, and played golf and took my kids to the beach. And it was great until my wife came to me one day. This is my fifth year of being retired. And she said, Pal, you're going to have to go back to work or I'm going to have to shoot you because you're driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was because my brain, I felt like my brain was starting to atrophy. Yeah. I had truly yeah. taken five years off and turned down lots of interesting opportunities because, gosh, I'm going to be retired. Yeah. But, uh, but anyhow, I... I found a little company in Bellevue, Washington that that was called the Little Gym. And it was it's a it's under the umbrella of gymnastics, but it's a development program for young kids, starting with mommy and me, all the way up to first grade. So it was pre-Sylvan kind of stuff. Right. And it was just, there were two locations and it was a sweet program. My daughter was in it. And that's how I really came to, to see what a wonderful little program it was. And so I bought the company from the founder who was like the Pied Piper of children. He's incredible. And we became partners and I franchised the little gem and we have the last 
340 locations in 34 countries. And so, wow. Wow. so I, I did that for a couple of years and sold that. <laughs> again. Wow. Tried to retire a bit, but retirement does not work for me, pal. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work no. either. I don't think I've had as as amazing of a career as you have, but I've helped a few people make a couple of million and was paid handsomely. And I, you know, I couldn't do six months. This background that people see if they're seeing the videos, the beach. I tried to do that. The, the lots of girls, the beach every day. The, when I found that in a lot of ways, my demons came after me. Like yeah. for me, it was never really drinking. Like it was pot. It was marijuana. Like, I would wake up and I... I'd have a coach call. I'd be like, you know what? I deserve, I'm just going to smoke a joint first thing in the morning because, hey, I've got, I could take a year. I could take two, three years off. I don't need this if they won't accept me for who I am. And so it was like the, I didn't realize I had crutches in place to support a lifestyle and values that I thought I had. And when they were gone and when I had absolute freedom, you know, the devil came out of the woodwork for me, so to speak, and was like, because those weren't there. And I had to find deeper purpose and meaning. And you just can't, like people, some people are like, oh, if I could, I'd just sit on the beach all day. You get bored. You want your life to have purpose and meaning and value. And yeah. so I didn't make it six months. I was like, this is not going to work. I got to go back. I got to yeah. find something to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Your intro, when you talk about the, not just the opportunities, but the mission of being an entrepreneur and what an entrepreneur can give back to the world, to society, to individuals. I think that passion that you show during your intro would prohibit you from just kicking back and giving it all up. You have a calling. I think we have similar callings. Maybe. I'm on a mission now to help create 200 new multi-million dollar businesses. Look at America, right? The roaring 20s and that, like the free market is the best system that we've had so far for empowering individuals, bringing people up out of poverty and crony capitalism is butchering it. There's all sorts of bad actors that are trying to interfere with it. But at the end of the day, businesses solve problems. My teeth, you go to the dentist, I'm hungry, restaurant, forgive me, I know it's supposed to be your interview, but I feel like it's a battle between equality and freedom. And if everyone is equal, then no one is free. And if no one is free, then why should I be a better producer? Yeah. Why should I produce more? And so now you have mediocre everything because there's no incentives. The incentives are backwards. Whereas when things are free, markets are unknown and unknowable. If I ask how many people are in market to buy a car today, we could get estimates, but the all real figure we'd never know and it would change every day. But everybody can recognize excellence. So if you just focus on solving a problem at a high level, so everyone will recognize the excellence. As long as you know what problem you solve, who you solve it for, and then you try to be excellent at it. I think that's probably the best guiding light you have through the fog of, of business. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. And yeah. I think that I've been very fortunate. I'm very grateful that every one of my businesses have done exactly that, solved mm-hmm. a problem. Obviously, mm-hmm. with Sylvan, it was kids that were falling through the cracks in school and not and flunking out and feeling bad with a little gym. The challenge was, you know, what? how do I know my kid's going to be ready for school, yeah. physically fit, mentally prepared, have social skills, and the little gym solved that. And with our my coaching 
program, Fowler International Academy of Professional Coaching. I solved so many problems because coaches can change people's lives yep. for the better. And there are so many great people that want to contribute. They really want to help others. Yeah. And by becoming coaches, they truly can change people's lives yeah. and fulfill their life as well. So I get sappy about it. But yeah. I, I think that for my formula for success, I, I put it under the umbrella of social entrepreneurship. Yes. That as entrepreneurs, we can provide an opportunity to help society and still not have to apologize for making a bunch of money doing it. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. We spent, at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was arguing about the science of this and the science of that. And I hired seven researchers, spent about 50 grand to help them, to have them help me go through all the academic literature on business success to say, what yeah. does the science say about business success? And we found eight critical success factors. And then once we knew what the eight categories were, we started going into each one. What does excellence in this mean? What does excellence yeah. in this mean? And yeah. one of the things marketing, people talk about marketing strategy, corporate social responsibility is yeah. tied to increased profitability. People, yeah. here's a new movie out called Sound of Freedom. You know, this is a movie that has had no major studio behind it. It's just from a small group and it's beaten Indiana Jones. It's beaten the new Mission Impossible because of the message and because it's about a social good. And you can tell which media outlets are loyal to Hollywood because they're trying to condemn it. And meanwhile, this thing is just beating all these, and it's just a small little indie film, but it's about, well, about a real social cause. Yeah, well, I think that successful business owners have an obligation to give back because as business owners, we offer a service, we, we bring in cash, um, we become wealthy, and then we have an opportunity or an obligation to pay it forward again. Mm -hmm. And so, our vendors, so that, our staff, our customers, we touch a lot yeah. of lives. Yeah. A lot of lives. Yeah. 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 I yeah. love that. Exactly. So, what do you feel were some of the biggest challenges of your business career to date? I know you still got plenty of time. I'm still working. Retirement doesn't work. I was so fortunate because when I started, um, I was naive. So when I left teaching to start Sylvan, in those days, people would say, you need about a million dollars to start a franchise company. And I had I had fourteen thousand five hundred dollars after <laughs> I sold my house. You're a little short. You're a little, little short, baby. But <laughs> but I'll tell you, here's one of the biggest challenges initially with Sylvan. So I had my little business plan. I moved from Southern California, where I'd been teaching for five years, up to Portland, Oregon, because I've researched different areas and I wanted to, my kid was a year old. I wanted to get him out of California and into a slower pace and a better place to raise a kid. And so I thought, first thing I need to do is I need to go and get a loan for the equipment, all the educational materials and everything I needed to open the first Sylvan Learning Center. I thought it'd be a piece of cake because right. in California, was like nothing. I could get along like that. 
So I go to these banks, Daryl, and I have my little business outline, and I'm telling these bankers, I only need $12,000 to get the learning materials. Then I'm going to offer this killer program. The kids, I can guarantee a kid will raise his reading or math score by a year in 36 hours. And 30% of the kids in school need this. So I'm going to open this first learning center and then I'm going to franchise it all over the country. And once again, these people thought I was nuts. <laughs> right. And, and these bankers would be banking, you know, moving back. And they said, well, there's three problems here. And I thought, they're challenges. We can overcome these. What are they? Say, so first of all, you're new in the area. And I said, yes. And I researched all these different cities and found that Portland is the perfect market for what I'm going to do. And they said, well, that might be, but. Secondly, you don't have any credit history in the area. And I said, well, that's true, but I have excellent credit history back in California. You can right. check. And they said, well, that's true, but th- there's another big hurdle, a big problem. I said, what's that? They said, nobody else is doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I knew bankers and I saw, saw business completely different. Right. So my challenge was, I didn't have quite enough cash to get rolling, but a friend of mine ran an ink company. They produced ink. And we were talking and he, over lunch in Portland, and he said, and I was telling him, I can't get a friggin' loan from any bank here in town. It's ri- ridiculous. And he said, and I said, I, all I need to do is purchase this material. And he said, a lot of the stuff that we have at the manufacturing is we get from leasing companies and we mm-hmm. lease the stuff and that's how we finance it. And I thought, okay, that's a good idea. So I look truly, this is a true story. I left the restaurant, walked catty corner across the street. And remember in the old days, you too young, they used to have phone booths. I remember right? phone booths. Yeah. Phone booth. I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not that. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm not so that. Anyway. And that so they had phone booth. So I walk to the phone booth and they had yellow pages. Yeah, good old yellow pages. I look up leasing companies and I put my dime in in those days and I call a leasing company. The very first call I made, the secretary was out to lunch and I get the manager of the leasing company. And I said, I'm opening a learning center. I'm going to help kids that have fallen through the cracks. I need to lease some materials to get my learning center off the ground. And he said, what do you mean you're going to help kids get through the I said, it's focused on kids that have missed out on basic information and skills that need a boost in order to succeed in school. And guess what? This man had a kid. And guess what? Oh my His goodness. kid needed help and yeah. he got it. And so he gave me a, a lease and bought all my learning materials, wanted to hold the pink slip on both of my Volkswagen bus and my Volkswagen Beetle, just to be sure, which yep. was fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was able to finance the furniture and the learning materials for my first Sylvan Center. And then later, when I franchised, he had hundreds and hundreds of my franchise owners using his yeah. leasing company. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
had it. It was just sheer luck that I happened to get this guy who happened to answer the phone when his secretary was at lunch. And he happened to totally understand from a parent standpoint this opportunity that we were going to offer to kids. I, I think the harder you work and the yeah. more committed you are, luck luck is something that you create through turning through opportunities. I think that's real. It was lucky. It's a good outlook. But I think you were driven and committed and doing research and talking to people. And I think you just chewed through enough. I always say yeah. you got to feed the failure beast. It won't let you pass until it's full. So you got to keep feeding it. And then once it's done, you it'll get out of your way and let you yeah, I, I was pretty sure I was going to have to bartend at night to, to, yeah. to finance it, but it worked out that I, yeah. I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah. great story. What do you feel are some, or I guess you could say, what would you recommend to someone who's maybe starting out and maybe struggling right now? They're trying to get their business going and it's just a tough time. It's very vague, but. Yeah. Now I, you have identified eight scientific things. And I, I wrote a book during my retirement for our, for people just starting out in business. And I wanted to identify what was the commonality among really successful business owners. So I did my research. It wasn't scientific-based. It was based on stories that people would tell me. And so I came up with three principles that continue to this day to be the foundation of our coaching and virtually every business that I've helped grow. And I used to do a lot like you, I used to do a business coaching and, and just starting out, what helped me was having an absolute crystal clear vision of where I wanted to end up. Because remember, I told told my principal and I told the bankers that I'm going to build this and I'm going to franchise it all over the country. I, in my mind, I saw that clearly. It was a great opportunity for kids, for parents, and for teachers who wanted to have their own business and give up all the bureaucratic BS that they had to put up with in school. And so having that crystal clear vision as the first pillar in that foundation. And then the second is having really well-defined, well-articulated plans of what to do sequentially every friggin' step of the way. And, and when you have, and you you have those well-developed plans then there's only one more thing, one more pillar left, and that's the actions you take. And so I say, hone it down to the dreams that we have, the plans that we make, and the actions that we take. And that's where I would recommend anybody starting out, begin with that crystal clear vision and make it real in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have an anchor, right? You always know where you're going to end up. And uh, I think that was probably, I've been so fortunate to to have that as part of my mix from my very first business at 19. I, I saw in my mind's eye what it was going to look like when it was up and running and successful. 
I think that's probably a gift from artwork. I've been trying to, there's yeah. an art school around the, across the street. I've been trying to get my family there for some evening classes because when you start, you may not necessarily know how it ends out, but you begin your piece, your work, whatever it is with an idea of what, and of course you evolve, it evolves as, as it unfolds, but you begin with an end in mind from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. 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 I, I've often have felt that business is very much like art. It's like a painting, and things do change, but but it's a creative process, very much like creating a piece of art or music or whatever. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's fantastic. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see? I'm going to have to go back to the idea that they don't have three things working mm. in harmony, because mm. you could be the best visionary in the world. And maybe you could spend tons of time analyzing and developing yep. plans. But if you don't take actions, same thing's true when you move any one of those pieces out. And that's why you have to have those because you could have, you could be a great plan maker mm. and you could be taking all kinds of helter skelter actions. But if you don't know what the end game is going to be, then it's all for naught. It's the harmony between those three foundational steps of building a business that works. I've never seen anybody be able to do it with only two. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think that's fantastic. And I think that's a real good takeaway for people here because some people get into a business where it's a me too. It's not their unique thing. It's a me. Oh, someone's making money in this. And then an yeah. env- envy comes in play. Yeah. I want to yeah. do that too. And then they try to put out a shingle for it, but there's no vision. It's just a copycat. And then it's a hollow, it's a hollow. That's a replica of the Mona Lisa. It's not, yeah. it's not going to be the real thing. So I yeah. think that's fantastic. Now, do you feel that there's any habits that have helped you? on your path to success over the years in terms of operating the business? I think that I had the habit of building a very good culture, a fun culture, Mm. a rewarding culture. You remember I said one of my talents was being able to get really smart people sucked into Mm. my ideas. Mm. It's really true. I was able to recruit incredible people based on what I shared my vision of what we were going to do and accomplish. And I was, and I, I, we had a great culture. People loved being involved Mm. and they were committed. And one of the reasons that they were committed is because we shared a common vision. I was able to get these people to believe the same way I did and see the same way and understand. Mm-hmm. Here are the steps we have to go through to get there. So I would say that was probably, not probably, but it was instrumental in my success. I just read an article yesterday, and it was about some research. And it was about entrepreneurs. And it said so many times, uh, 
entrepreneurship and success could be easier if you did it with someone else as a partner. Yes. And, and it, and the analogy was, let's say you're, you go hiking on your own and you're hiking along this dusty trail and here's this hill that you have to climb. Mm-hmm. And when you're by, and this is 400,000 people in this research. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at this hill and you're by yourself, that hill looks pretty darn steep and pretty high mm-hmm. and rugged. But if you're hiking with a friend or a partner and you're hiking along the same dusty road and the perception when you look at that hill doesn't look all that tough or challenging because you have somebody to share it with. It yeah. was a very interesting you know, research about entrepreneurs that I, and I just happened across it yesterday. Yeah, I I agree with that. There's two things I want to add to that. So one is I heard there's supposedly an African proverb that if you want to walk fast, walk alone. But if you want to walk far, walk together. Oh, that makes that's great. And then that I also was told before that any company, you typically need a marketing and salesperson, a finance and administration person and a product person. And if they're all the same person, you're in trouble. Yeah. Because you need you can't be excellent at everything. And so at a minimum, you need three. Business, yeah, success is a team sport. I love that. I think that's just a great and there's so many people, especially this day and age, it can be really easy for people to get going, but then they get tripped up because at some point you gotta break. So can you talk a little bit more about hiring and retaining top talent? Because I think that's a major pain point for a lot of people. Yeah. And my, and I was fortunate of never having any trouble doing that. We were always able to attract the best. But I have to tell you, Daryl, when I first started, I opened my first Sylvan Learning Center in February of 1979, which will blow people's minds to see <laughs> that I'm still working. But anyhow, I did everything. I painted the inside of the <laughs> graphics on the wall. I created my own advertising for the newspaper in those days. I didn't have a team, but I had that vision. But quickly, I was able to bring in a team, mm-hmm. and um, and that was that made all the difference. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good takeaway for everyone, everyone here. Now, I want to ask because I know we're approaching the top of the hour, and I. I want to be respectful for your time. I'd love to have you come back for a follow-up, definitely. But <laughs> was there is there anything that we haven't talked about or anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? I can't really think of anything other than maybe some listeners have it in their heart to want to help others. You might ask me how would they would go about becoming certified right. professional. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is it is the what's the website? Is it foulmbc.com or that's a business one, but got it's FIA Fowler International Academy of FIA coaching.com. And and then we have classes starting we have classes that you could start as early as tomorrow, but the really the commonality among our successful coaches, we did some research a couple of years ago to find out who's the best coach, right? 
Right. Who are the best coaches? And we thought maybe education or experience, but it wasn't. The number one commonality among our most successful coaches was a genuine, heartfelt desire to help others. Yeah. It really was. And then yep. and then it was integrity, of course. And it, it, so truly, people from all walks of life with all types of backgrounds can become great coaches, impact other people's lives, and make a really interesting professional living. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's true. I learned that a while ago. They were asking if you, I was in martial arts, and they're saying, what would your favorite coach and of course you want them to be good at what they did in that, but the things that really mattered were the soft skills and wanting to be there just because yeah. someone's a world champ doesn't mean that they're a world-class coach either. Yeah. So yeah. For those listening and want to find out more, go check out F I a coaching.com. You can also check out Fowler F O W L E R M B C.com. And you can look up Barry if you want on LinkedIn, B E R Y Fowler F O W L E R. Check him out. Send a message. Let them know I sent you. Uh, Barry, you've got so many wonderful life lessons you shared. Such great, simple, practical, actionable. People may want to listen to this call more than once. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. Knowing that you have your own following, your own students, your own hobbies, and that you could be spending your time on. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with my people. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Daryl. I appreciate the invitation, and, and uh, thank you for having me.